Welcome back to the Believing and Achieving podcast, where we discuss all things health, longevity, improvement, awareness, and creativity. I am your host, Kylie Comstock, a self-taught master of the mind and body. Each episode, we will have guests from different backgrounds, stories, and knowledge to help you unlock the power within and incinerate your goals. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode on the Believing and Achieving podcast. In today's episode, we are so blessed to have Laws, who is a confidence and mindset coach holding a degree in exercise and sports science. After over 10 years in the health and fitness industry, Laws transitioned to the corporate world during COVID, mastering coding and achieving three promotions three promotions in robotics and app development. Balancing a nine-to-five job with a passion for coaching, she specializes in self-confidence, career development, food freedom, body confidence, and relationships. So we are super blessed to have you on today, and I am so excited for the audience to learn from you. So first question for you is kind of, I want to hear like your story, how you got into the fitness world, and what made you want to do mindset coaching? Yeah, beautiful. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I love talking about all of this stuff and getting to meet new people like yourself. I guess like I always grew up as like a sporty kid. So like when I was going through um, through school and then when you get to the end of year 12, I was like, well, you know, I like I've always been pretty good at school, too. So I went like, OK, I want to go to uni and like exercise and sports science seems like, you know, the no brainer or where I was meant to be going. So I went and did that to kind of like chase my passion. I was still um, like training myself. So I've tried, like I've been active and then I got like more into like the actual gym, not just sport, probably at like 19, 20 whilst I was training at uni. Finished that. And then like I went on to do a master's of exercise physiology as well and was teaching Pilates and I was also working in a hospital. So I was trying to go down like the chronic, um, chronic disease and exercise route because although I'm like really passionate about, you know, like physique and um, nutrition, health, that kind of thing. I really always wanted to, I like solving puzzles. So like when like exercise physiology represented that to me in like an exercise form, because you're more like prescribing to actually solve a problem rather than just like get someone from kind of good to great. Um, Then like COVID hit obviously. And like in, I was living in Melbourne at the time um, and they shut all of the gyms like I think we suffered one of the worst lockdowns like in the world so pretty much like all of my work was gone um overnight because I was running my own PT business at the time um whilst doing my master's a lot of other trainers like went to online and not like online in terms of you know like online coaching as we see it now but they were doing kind of like the zoom workouts and trying to do that kind of stuff and obviously took it pretty hard and was like having my own kind of struggles as well at the time. So I just didn't feel like I could show up for people um, at that time. So I decided not to, and I just went, I'm going to change everything and kind of shut everything down. And it was like a really huge identity shift for me. Um, Cause I've always like identified as, you know, the fitness person. Right. And I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do if, you know, if I don't do this, um, that's when I went and got just like an entry level job at my corporate job at the moment. Um, but I started in like the call center cause I had no skills in the area. Um, have worked my way up, as you mentioned, um, at the start and now I do like full-time app development. So I've kind of found like another passion, which is really cool. Um, it represents something that like you kind of can't master, which I find really 
pleasurable, like for my brain, um, because I can just keep getting better and better and better. And it was really through that process as well that I went like, okay, like my identity isn't, you know, only the gym or only fitness. It's actually that I'm like a problem solver and a learner. So it, although it was difficult, like definitely allowed me to learn about myself um, a little bit more. And then like, I've still been, like I trained right through COVID. I was doing it in the backyard, like at literally 5am. And it was, I was like, well, if I can train through this, I'm going to train through anything pretty much. And then I kind of hit a point like last year where I just, I wanted to get back into the industry because I love it. Although it has its, you know, some flaws. I love the people in it. I love the messaging behind it. I feel like I can make a real difference in that space. Also because of like a lot of my own experience throughout it, you know, like I I really suffered with low self-confidence, low self-worth, like from an early age. And I probably that's what that's honestly probably what led me to fitness right because I never felt like very body confident and then I started training and I was like okay cool now I feel like I look a bit better but I still internally you know reflecting and looking back didn't feel that great about myself and it became like okay now I can get smaller and now I can get leaner and then you know more people will like me and so it's using all of those experiences as well that kind of brought me to my current position in doing like the mindset and the confidence coaching, trying to use like not only my knowledge of, you know, the body and the mind and all how it all kind of works together, but also a lot of like my own experiences to be able to relate to people and come from, come at them from like a really non-judgmental place to say like, hey, like, you know, the struggles that you're going through, I'm not just going to tell you you know, like how to fix them or how to go about them, but I actually understand what you're going through. And one of the things that I'm kind of like biggest on is creating that like safe space where people can come and fully like be themselves and bear their struggles and know that like the person on the other end isn't going to feel like elitist or look down on them because I've definitely been where most people have been. Wow, that is an amazing story and very relatable on a lot of fronts. I totally resonate. I think, I think a lot of people in the fitness industry come from a place of insecurity, like 90% of people. It's like, they want to change something. They're so insecure. They need to change it and they need to find the solution to their problem. Right. And what I love that you pointed out is like being a coach is like, you kind of have to go through the hard to get the good. You've got to go through all the crappy experiences that all your clients are going to be experiencing. So that once you are a coach, you're like, Hey, you know what? I totally remember when I was going through the same thing. And it's really cool to see how you're incorporating the mindset behind it. Because like you had mentioned before the call, like a lot of the issues that people face are within their mindset. And it's not actually like, it's not the food or it's not the exercise. It's typically because they don't have the confidence in themselves to achieve whatever they want to achieve. Um, And I think too, like the work you're doing is so pivotal, especially with social media. Like everyone is insecure nowadays. Everyone has low self-worth in some area because they're seeing the highlights of all these people who are absolutely killing it in life. And so they're scrolling through their feed and they're seeing people who, you know, maybe they didn't even know they were insecure about something, but then they see it on social media and they're like, wait, I want that too, you know? And they start to bottle that up over time. And so, yeah, it's super cool. The work you're doing. And I really think it's incredible. Um, so 
kind of jumping into the confidence and mindset behind things, how do you define a healthy mindset and why is it crucial for overall like well-being? Good question. Um, I think when I think about mindset and it's like a bit of a buzzword right now, I actually like when I was going into the coaching space, I really resisted calling myself a mindset coach only because nothing against mindset coaches. Obviously I'm one, but I didn't want to kind of be like grouped in with a bunch of people where maybe they'd had like bad experiences because I'm very action-based as well. Like I try and couple like the thoughts and the feelings and the unpacking the why but then actually giving clients and stuff like an action plan to go alongside that. When I think about like what inc- what's included in like a strong or resilient mindset, I think one of the things is feeling capable that you can like navigate whatever it is that's coming up. And that really comes from like having the ability to navigate uncertainty because when people come and see me or when I'm speaking with people, you know, like, most of what they want help with is implementing some sort of change because if they didn't want to change, then they wouldn't need any help. They just continue on what they were doing. And the thing is when we're talking about implementing change long-term as well, like a lot of people can do it short-term, but then they end up back in like the same cycles. It's feeling like whatever it is that's coming up, like I have the skill set to do that. And most people will think like, okay, well, if I'm trying something new, like I don't have the skill set for that because I haven't developed it, but it's not necessarily like having the skill set for the specific skill itself. It's more so like having the skills to, you know, back yourself to make good decisions or back yourself to choose what's best for you. Like back yourself to be able to, you know, go to the new thing alone or be a beginner or be a learner. Like I think people feel their best when like their own perceived, um, you know, like degree of capability matches whatever it is that might be upcoming I know that for me like that's definitely like a really crucial part of it because like you know when shit hits the fan or you know even in like a relationship or something if you know when we're dealing with other people a lot of it is uncertain and most people will then withdraw from those uncertain situations that's where like you know the food restriction and you know all of these other grasps for control right come from is because they're trying to avoid any sort of situation where they feel like they don't have control over the whole thing but that will ultimately lead to like you know dissatisfaction and low confidence because it means that you don't trust yourself in order to, you know, go and create the life that you want you're just staying really what you think is safe but it's probably not Sorry, that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. So to kind of summarize, like you said, the the main thing for what how you would define a healthy mindset is the capability to navigate uncertainty, which I think is like a huge thing because a lot of times I believe that uncertainty is the the cause. Like you said, like you start to get these like this desire to control when things are uncertain and you get this desire to want to manage everything perfectly. Um, and so I think like part of doing the work is like letting go of that. Um, and I wanted to you kind of pointed out like, um, don't you, you can't like trust yourself, um, when you are in like that scarcity mindset. And I'm wondering, so how do you, how do you help your clients with trusting themselves with becoming more confident in their mindset and who they are? Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned self-trust because I think that's probably, you know, alongside developing your own capabilities and stuff like that. I think self-trust is pivotal in developing like 
the life that you want, the mindset that you want, whatever it is. Because when people don't have self-trust, like that's when it comes to, you know, everyone asking for everyone else's like opinion, you know, like what should I do here? What should I do there? And that kind of thing. And then you end up just leading like other people's lives. When we're trying to work on self-trust, I think it, I normally take like two avenues. And like the first one is action-based where it is, I think you can develop self-trust because it's like a transferable skill, right? It is really in just like doing the things that you said that you would do. And that's where, you know, like going to the gym and like eating what you said you would eat, you know, not drinking if you said you were going to not drink, like all of these little actions where what you do matches what you said you would do builds that self-trust muscle because it really is a muscle and a skill that you can develop over time. And when you believe the sentence, you know, like I show up for myself or I do what I said I would do, that is then like transferable to other areas. So say I like in relationships or friendships, you know, the personal versus, you know, the body and that kind of thing. If I've developed my self-trust in one area, then there's no reason that say, if I'm being mistreated in another area that I can't use that same skill to be like, I trust myself to choose like what's best for me. I said I was going to walk away. I said I was going to voice my feelings. I said I was going to communicate that kind of thing. Those actions, however, can be a little bit more difficult because there's like emotion involved and that kind of thing. So if someone is very, very low on the self-trust scale and they don't believe, you know, their plans that they're making, when they set goals, there's an underlying belief that they're not really going to achieve them. We often start on the ones that are fully within their control because as soon as you introduce another person, it's very hard to control the whole thing. So, for example, I had a client who was quite low on it and she was trying to move away from drinking and that kind of thing. And all we did was when she got home from work, instead of having a drink on the couch, I was like, you're just going to go for a 10 minute walk. Like that's all, you, that's all I want you to do. And you're going to do that every day for two weeks. And it's starting so small that it's almost like laughable. Like people are like, of course I can do that. Like it's 10 minutes. But you need to start smaller than you want to start because you need to tick those boxes like day after day after day. And then once you've, you know, ticked off level one, it's like, all right, then like what is level two? And then you start trusting your own word again, because if you can't trust your own word, I don't think you'll be able to achieve anything in your life that you want to achieve because you'll constantly be looking for external validation. The second part in the self-trust is, Working out, like if you want to be self-confident, if you want to have high self-worth, all of those sorts of things that we all talk about, I think like people often wait to feel like that kind of person before they start acting like that person. And you're just like, it's just never going to happen. You're never going to just wake up one day and feel confident about yourself. You almost, I don't like saying the like fake it till you make it. What I mean is like, you have to do the confident things before you feel like the confident person because that is you stacking like your own evidence that you do think a lot of yourself. You know, like if you are, how I spoke about before, you know, being mistreated in a relationship or you're you're seeking something and you know it's not what you want and you know that like a person who thought a lot of themselves would walk away or wouldn't respond to the message or any, anything like that, even if your instinctive reaction is to, you know, hold on because you're not feeling great about yourself and you want company. Very simple questions like what would a person who thinks a lot of themselves do in this situation? 
Like I used that sentence a lot when I was getting over quite a toxic relationship because like my attachment system was firing and like I wanted to do the things that were bad for me. And, you know, like logically I knew that, but emotionally, like you can't fight emotion with logic, but if you can introduce like really simple steps and simple questions that can help guide your decision-making, like every single time I hit kind of like a fork in the road where I was like, I know option A is good for me. I know option B is bad, but I want to do option B. I would just say, what would a person who values themselves do here? And even if it felt harder, I just would do that. And it's the same thing. You train it over time. And then over time, what is good for you becomes like your reflexive choice. That's beautifully said. I think your point of doing the things that you said you would do, like that is the way, like it is the answer. And I think the hardest thing is just overcoming that barrier of facing the discomfort of doing the right thing. Right. And I kind of wanted to bounce onto that too, as like the next question of like, how do you help clients face that discomfort of change? So like with your client who, you know, normally would drink and come home, how, how in the beginning did you help her overcome just going on a walk and trading that out and, and kind of having maybe like withdrawals? Yeah. So the first thing is like making the change that you want to make as easy as possible for yourself. Because I think a lot of people think that you get like more points for suffering or like more points for it getting or for it being really hard. And it's like that might work for a week or so, but eventually like humans will choose the path of least resistance. So you want to sit and think about like what is your desired behavior and what is your non-desired behavior? Because we've often got like opposing forces and you want to make the desired one super easy and the non-desired one really hard. So if we're sticking with this example like what we did was as soon as she got home, like she had her runners out, she, um, you know, had what she needed to get changed into already out. So it was literally like in front of her face, we're going. Um, we also got like her partner involved so that there was like no alcohol in the house um, so that he didn't offer her a drink when she got home, like getting the people involved in your life who can make this like an easier process for you. Because although yes, like logically she can still drive to the shops and go and get a drink. Right. But you want to try and introduce friction between yourself and the non-desired behavior, because it's, it's way less likely that you, you're going to be like, I don't want to get in the car and go and do it. So you're more likely to go and do the desired behavior. The second thing is, is as I said before, like starting really, really small and trying not to do it all at once. Because like people, you know, especially this time of year, like, in you know, the new year's just clicked over. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to like cut out sugar and cut out alcohol and, you know, stop partying and I'm going to go to the gym five days a week. It's like, okay, well, if you haven't been going to the gym at all, it's like maybe you just start with once, like once a week. And if you feel like going a second time, then go a second time. But don't like set yourself up for failure because a lot of people, when they're setting goals and things like that, even if they're not consciously aware of it, will be expecting themselves to fail. Because if they've never quote unquote succeeded before, they have no evidence that they are capable to carry out what they want to do. So you want to make sure that you don't keep training that same pattern of I set goals, I fail. I set goals, I fail. Because then you're just creating more and more evidence to the contrary of like what you actually want to do. Another thing that I do is 
set their set their expectation accurately so tell them you know how that like give them a little bit of insight into like how the brain works kind of the stuff that I'm talking to you about right now right like you're gonna want to do the old behavior like don't judge yourself for that it is a trained pattern like I talk about the analogy like of um like a river like if a river has been flowing in one direction for a certain period of time for years and years and years which often when we're talking about these behavior patterns it has been that length of time it what you can do is like if you send water down another path like one time it will often not keep going that way it will just eventually come back into like the main river right because that's where the water is flowing more easily but over time if you can keep you know repeating the new path that pathway will become easier to execute and not only that the old riverbed will dry up eventually however they need to give themselves some grace to understand that this will take time. And so if you've been doing something for five, 10, 15 years, not expecting a complete transformation in eight weeks, right? Because like humans love or humans need accurate expectations because it's often like when our expectations go unmet, that is the painful thing. So if you expect that this is going to take a year of consistency, And also I tell them, you know, like you will fuck up. Like, I'm not sure when it's going to be. I'm not sure how often, but all you need to understand is that like what we're just trying to do is take more forward steps than backward steps. And so when you kind of accurately give them an expectation as to what the journey is going to look like, it feels less uncomfortable when they get there because, because they kind of knew that this was, coming right like you know the new behavior is going to feel unfamiliar you're going to want to go back to old habits like all of those sorts of things so then when they do have the craving to go back to the thing that's bad for them they're not sitting there in a place of like self-judgment being like why do I still want this thing they're kind of like Loz told me this was happen would happen and this is how I'm going to navigate it yeah like understanding it's kind of like I think of it similarly to um therapy it's like you know how when people talk about their problems they then it it's not that like the problems go away but they then understand like oh like this makes sense why I'm feeling this way is connected to this and so I think like partially the work that you're doing is helping people to again like you said make those small changes and stack them like day by day and so that they can understand themselves better rather than judge themselves because I think that judgment is partially the reason that they cannot move forward um a lot of times like I know in my experiences with feeling guilty about things I'll sit there and like I can't get out of the loop. Like you said, it becomes a habit and you just want to keep like thinking in that way. But it's like, once you can do something that's like, that's different that you've implement implemented, you're able to then move on over time by working at it. Like you said, like by training, like a muscle. And part of that too, is like setting the expectation accurately. Like you need to understand that like, the, the things that you are trying to pursue are going to take twice as long as you think. It's like if you're trying to change your body, like a lot of times you'll see these quick fixes all over social media about, you know, lose 20 pounds in three weeks. It's like, no, that's not sustainable. And that's not going to happen. Right. And so 
I love how um, you had said that. And then also like more forward steps than backward steps. It's not about going the farthest step. It's about making more steps forward than backward. So yeah, yeah love what you said. Um, on to the next question for you. So um, in your coaching experience, what are some common challenges people face when it comes to building self-confidence, would you say? I'd say the biggest, the first one that comes to mind is like the people around them not supporting them. Because like if you've had a friendship group or, you know, close family or whatever it is, who've been used to the old version of you, and then you start to make changes that are perhaps really different than how you've been living for the past however many years, that can often cause like a threat to their way of living. So if you're in like a group of friends who parties every weekend and, you know, eats takeaway all the time and then, you know, never train or look after themselves or or no one communicates, you know, all those sorts of things. And then you have a moment where you go, actually, I kind of don't want this life for myself anymore. I want to implement healthy changes. You know, I want to start to communicate when um, like we have disagreements. You'll often shock the people around you and they will try and bring you back down. And I see it a lot with clients. It's probably the biggest thing that they they face is that when they want to change and the people around them don't want to change with them. And that's not to say that they're trying to make them, but it's, it's, they'll like make fun of them for going to the gym or, you know, like try and get them to drink when they've clearly said that they don't want to drink or, you know, things like that. And that can feel super, super uncomfortable And this is actually like part of the setting um, accurate expectations. I tell almost every client is that like, you're probably going to get pushed back for this and you just kind of have to accept that and not try and, you know, make them understand because what they'll often do then is try and, you know, make the people around them. I'm doing it because of this and this and this. And it's like, as soon as you start trying to make everyone around you understand, it's almost like a um, disservice to your own self-confidence because it means that you need everybody around you to understand why you're doing what you're doing in order to do it. But it's also like recognizing that this can be like humans are like, we want to belong to tribes, right? So it's like, if all of a sudden you're making changes where you no longer feel like you belong to the tribe that you have belonged to for as long as you can remember, There's a lot of grief that comes with that. There's a lot of um, like feeling lost, a lot of like, well, where do I fit in now, right? Like maybe if I don't fit in with my old people, it's like, well, where are my new people? And there's often this kind of like transitional lonely chapter, um, which can be really, really hard. And it is uh, like where a lot of people will go, this is too hard um, because no one likes feeling alone, right? No one likes feeling out of place. But if they can kind of push through that, like the more that they start to embody like this new version of themselves and being the person that they want to attract, you will find, or they do find, right, that it's not the fact that they no longer fit in. It's just they no longer fit in in that room and there are other rooms, right? But I'd say like the environment and the people around you often causes the biggest barrier when people are trying to work on this stuff because they just don't feel like they belong anymore. Mm, Yes. And that reminds me of a thing I read recently, but it's like people get comfortable with who they want you to be, right? It's like they want you to be this person and in their minds, you will always be that person. I was listening. I think it was Alex Hermosi actually. Do you know him? 
yeah, yeah. I love his stuff. I always oh, listen to shit. it. But he <laughs> talks a lot fan. about what do you say? Sorry. But I'm his number one fangirl. Oh, yes. Like you can learn so much from him. And I love how he always uses like the phrases like in my experience instead of like you should do this. Um, I think that's super cool. But he always talks about like in his family situation, how people were like super comfortable with him being lazy and with him, like how he was when he was younger, how he used to drink and do all these things. And now he's like, I don't even visit home because they're comfortable with a different version of me. And so I was just like, that's so true. Um, But yeah, I just think people get comfortable with who they want you to be. And um, you kind of had brought up the point, like, it's a disservice to yourself to have to explain to people like what you're doing. And this kind of goes back to like the first couple of points you made to where it's like, you just need to take the actions without having to ask for permission or with explaining for what you're doing. It's like, you need to do what you want to do and like follow your intuition. Because as you said, like when you start showing up as like the highest version of yourself, or when you show up as someone who you want to attract, there's going to be a lonely chapter. You are probably going to lose some people in your life but you are losing those people for 10 times greater people that are coming in the future who you will attract into your life. Um, So yeah, I absolutely love what you said. Yeah, just on that quickly, like I think a lot of people as well like resist this like, you know, losing of people because they feel like they have to come at it from a point of like, oh, well, they must be bad people now or I don't like them or anything like that. And it doesn't have to be like that. You know, mm-hmm. like they you have had people for a phase of your life, for a chapter of your life and still love them and still think that they're great people, but just recognizing that they're not going to help you to get to where you want to go. And so it doesn't have to be like, you know, a big breakup with your friends or, you know, like, I don't agree with what you're doing, recognizing that what you're doing is what you're doing. And if they're taking a different path, they're taking a different path. Like it doesn't have to be, like you're better than them mentality or you're going to find, you know, quote unquote, better people. It's like, you'll get, you're going to find people who are better suited to and going to support like the life that you want to create for yourself. And yeah, like mm-hmm. the explaining yourself to everyone, I see it bringing a lot of people undone often, like when they're wanting to make changes or, you know, maybe switch careers or break up with their partner or whatever it is like, yeah, for sure. Like, speak to people about it but not everyone right like people will Mm -hmm. go and ask 10 people what they should do and something that everyone needs to recognize is that people will always just tell you what they would do in that situation which is all they can tell you you know like it's it's not bad advice but they're speaking from their own past experiences they're speaking from their values from what they want their life to look like and they're not you So like you can take what they say with a grain of salt. I wouldn't ask too many people because if you've got 10 people's opinions in your head about which path you can take, people then often just don't take any step because now they've got way too much information and they're not sure. They don't trust their own decision-making enough. That back to like the self-trust that we were talking about before is like you can build it by just doing things without asking all of these people for their opinions because then it, it's a self-signal in itself, right? Like if I make decisions just based on what I think is correct, then that is saying to myself that I trust my own decision-making and I don't need the whole world to understand or agree with whichever path that I choose to take. 
Exactly. And like people aren't like you're not trying to please everyone. I think that's like that partially comes from like people pleasing. Like you think yeah. you need to make the right decision. And so you're asking for so many different opinions because you're not sure that yours is right. And so you're waiting for all this outward approval and you want, you know, you want everyone to be happy with what you're doing. But a lot of times, like, especially in life, you can't expect that. Like there's going to be so many decisions we make that probably upset or annoy or uh, make people uncomfortable. But it's like, at the end of the day, like you said, like it's for us, like each and every decision is for your, like, obviously you can do things for other people, but it's for you. And so asking for other people's opinions can be helpful, but also like take it with a grain of salt. Like you said, it's just like your own intuition is going to know the right choice for you when you give the time to think about it and to take a step back. Um, so kind of on to the next question for you. Um, I have so many, I do this every podcast. I'm like, Ooh, I need to like, I need to nail these down. Okay. So kind of jumping into, I guess we'll do one more about kind of like self-confidence. And I want to get into like how you talked about food freedom. Um, you I know you're a food freedom coach as well. So, um, what strategies do you employ to help individuals overcome self-doubt and develop unwavering confidence? We've kind of talked about this a little bit. Uh, maybe you could just like give a couple here as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah, self-doubt is a big one. And I think what I, how I want to start off is like by telling people that everyone experiences self-doubt. Like it's not like, you know, how we spoke about Instagram and stuff before. It can feel like, you know, everyone's starting a business and, you know, running events and like no one is feeling nervous or whatever. And that's just not true. Like even the most successful people out there experience self-doubt. And I think it's it's starting to change like your perception of whether or not self-doubt is actually like a good or a bad thing, right? Like a friend of mine to who I um, speak with and work with, actually, like we talk about, you know, if we're ever going to do something new, like, um, like run an event or launch a new course or like whatever it is, we do experience that level of self-doubt. Like, is this going to work? You know, is what I created good enough? Like, and I think like, as soon as you stop asking those questions, it means you don't care anymore. Or it means like you don't actually, or you think you've learned it all, right? And then it's over. Like, I think as soon as all of your self-doubt is gone, it's over because it means you think you've mastered like whatever craft you're in, or it means that you don't really care about the work that you're doing anymore or the actions that you're taking. So I guess like, it's not really so much like the emotion, um, if you would call self-doubt an emotion itself, but more so like the story that you're kind of like telling yourself about it. So if you are experiencing self-doubt, right? Like if you're going to try something new, if you're going to try and pick up a new skill, if you're even just trying to implement like a new way of behaving, you know, like with friends or relationships on things like that, like making choices that are previous you wouldn't make, of course you're going to feel self-doubt because you don't have any evidence that what you're about to do is going to work. And that's okay. But instead of telling yourself that the self-doubt is a signal that it means that you're not capable of doing what you're setting out to do, it's kind of rewriting that nar narrative of like self-doubt means that I'm about to try something outside of my comfort zone, which is what I'm intending to do. So this is a positive feeling. So seeing if you can kind of like flip it and starting to see it as a benefit that you're working on something that matters to you rather than like a signal that you don't have the skills to do whatever's ahead. That is huge. Like, I love how you said 
sometimes you don't have the evidence like in the beginning like when you start out that's when it's probably going to be its highest it's going to be the most stressful because you're like i have zero like you said you have zero evidence of like knowing what's to come out of like these actions you're taking but like that's where i think like the consistency thing comes in it's like when you could stay consistent with the actions you said you were going to do that's when it starts to stack up and again it comes back to like you know making the choice to keep the commitments that you said you were going to do. Um, and also too, I like how you said that, like, it's kind of a narrative you have to, or a story that you're telling yourself, like you need to rewrite the narrative on like what you're believing about self-doubt. Like is self-doubt always bad? Like, no, it's actually not. Like you said, um, self-doubt can actually be good in the sense that like, it shows that you care about the thing that you are doubting, so to say. Um, and I think it, it also helps with, our own growth like we have the desire to learn and continue to learn because we're like well I am not perfect in all these areas like you pointed out people think that they've mastered something because they um no longer have the self-doubts but if you don't have self-doubt then again like you think you're the best at it and they're still like you need to be continually like growing and without yeah without constantly learning you can't grow and so love your points um on to the next question for you. Let's go into this one. Okay. So given your background in exercise and sports science, how do you think physical health um, and mental well-being intersect into your coaching approach? Because you had brought up before that you did like, you know, you initially did fitness and and food coaching, like nutrition. Um, so how does that kind of like incorporate into the mindset as well? Yeah, I love that. This is actually something that um... – I'm quite big on and I think like I hope like sets me apart from other coaches in that if you are physically unhealthy, it is almost impossible to work on your mindset. And so like I will with new clients, like ask about their sleep, ask about their activity, like, you know, what they're eating, that kind of thing. Because like sleep, for example, is a big one. And, and I often give these like action-based or like action plans that will incorporate physical um, physical improvements as well. Because when people feel, you know, like energetic and um, they wake up in the morning and they're not dragging themselves out of bed or they're like fueling themselves, you know, with enough food and like good food if they're training and that kind of stuff, like it just makes the rest a lot easier. Because like when we're talking about, like the mind and the brain and like decision-making thought patterns, that kind of thing. Say for example, like if you're trying, to, if you're really struggling like with your mindset and you're feeling really low and you're trying to implement new change um, and you're trying to do that on like five hours sleep, I just can't, I just can't see anyone like successfully being able to do that because when you're sleep deprived, like your um, frontal cortex, like is not really as active as it would be on enough sleep. It's kind of like being drunk, right? Like where you'll tend to do the old, you'll slip into that like old river bed, like we spoke about before, because it's the path of least resistance. So if you don't have any like excess energy, making new choices and developing new thought patterns requires energy. And so if you don't have that, like you are more likely to overeat if that is the, um, if that's the behavior that you're trying to, you know, move away from, or you're more likely to go back into like the comfortable habit because it doesn't require any energy to, you know, um, go and do that. Like another, I'm big on analogy because I, analogies, because I feel like it helps people to understand um, this kind of stuff. 
say for example, like if you are driving um, around your hometown, right? Like you, you can often be on the phone or like listening to music or listening to a podcast or thinking about other things. And sometimes you'll get up, get to your destination and be like, oh my God, I don't even know like how I really got here because you're just on autopilot. Whereas if you are in a foreign country or a new city or whatever, uh, you know like the old saying like you turn the music down when you don't know where you are because you need like all of your attention to find where you're going to get you to your destination like you can't switch off into autopilot and this is exactly the same when we're thinking about old choices versus new choices and to come back to like physical health if you are running on no sleep if you are physically unfit if you're eating like garbage like all of those things, you are way more more likely to go back to your old habits because you simply don't have like the foundation in order to make new and deliberate decisions because change will always come with that initial friction. And over time, it will get easier. Like that's the goal is to try and train the new behavior. So it becomes your autopilot or default setting. But initially, it's not going to be that way. So like we spoke about as well with the, with the self-trust and, you know, like training and um, like sticking to a meal plan or something like that, depending on the person's, you know, um, presentation and what they're trying to fix or improve. These are small tools that you can use to develop like self-trust in one area that will also, you know, improve your physical health. And then you can transfer those skills into developing like your own self-confidence, you know, like you might've come across the person who's, gone to the gym for a week and they're like oh my god I feel so much better about myself like they don't look any different but they feel different because they're proud of themselves for showing up and you know I'm sure they've got a bit more energy from training but it's more so the fact that they like actually worked on themselves for a week and that's really helped them so yeah we kind of like we, we I will sometimes still write gym programs if I think it's appropriate um, I, I do food diary um, stuff with like the food freedom clients. Um, yeah, we talk about stress management. We talk about sleep and all of those sorts of things so that people have the most energy and kind of like resources to draw from so that they can make sustainable change like in their head. Yeah, I I love so many things you pointed out. I'm like, I'm saying this every time, but I truly mean it. Like, I think it's <laughs> it's it's so important to have the physical and so like the the exercise and the nutrition down in order to be able to work on your mindset and also the sleep like such a big thing I like how you had brought up like you need all of your attention for new choices like to create a foundation you're going to need like all of your attention because it's like if your attention is in a billion different places and you're running on no sleep, it's going to be so much harder. And there's already that initial resistance. And like we had talked about, like the humans take the path of the least resistance. And so when they are trying to make these changes and there's already friction there, it's just going to be like impossible for them. And so, um, yeah, I think what people can like kind of take away from this, like if your sleep is not you know, at a hundred percent, maybe that's kind of like where you start, like get your physical health and your, you know, nutrition and sleep down before you start working on your mindset and then start transitioning on working on your mindset and start implementing little changes to make yourself the, you know, the person you want to attract. Um, so let's see, let's do, 
Hmm. Let's go on to. Okay. So how can, how can people overcome uh, and navigate the setbacks on their journey when they're trying to make these changes? Cause I'm sure you've had clients who have come to you like, Oh, I screwed up or I messed up again. How do they overcome this? Yeah. Yeah. I think like to, to go back to what I said earlier, just briefly is that expecting there to be setbacks is really, really important. Like at the start, like not so much, like it's a fine line between going like, Oh, I knew I would fail. That's different, but it's more so like understanding that progress isn't linear, right? Like in any realm, you know, like you can talk about weight loss in the same way. Like it's never just like I lost 0.1 kilos every day for six months. And that's how I got here. Right. It's like, it goes up and then down and up and then down. And what you're trying to achieve over time is just, just that the general trend is moving in the direction that you want to. Another thing that I try and get clients to remember is that like, something that you always have available to you is your reaction to a situation and your next step, right? Like just because you have made a mistake 10 times doesn't necessarily mean that the next time you're going to make that mistake. Like you don't need to use your past if it's an undesirable way of acting as evidence for what you're going to do in the future. So it's like, okay, cool. You have quote unquote stuffed up the plan of what you said you were going to do. Maybe you made a poor decision. Um, It's understanding that, okay, well, what am I going to do next? Right? Like, what am I going to do next? And it doesn't have to be that you're going to fix it immediately. It's just that like understanding that you still have that next choice available to you to take your next step forward. Even if you just took five steps back, the next one can still be forwards. Another thing that I would say is like trying not to make the bad feelings go away immediately. And there's a difference between like, I I never um, recommend like a self, like a self shame kind of thing. What I try and um, highlight the difference between for clients is like self shame versus like holding yourself to a higher standard. And they're two very different things. So like, Self-shame says like, I am bad. I will never be capable of changing. Like this is who I am as a person. And it's always going to be that way. That is a pointless line of thought that's going to get you nowhere. But it's often the familiar thought pattern for a lot of people. And so they will just like default into it because they're, they're comfortable there. They've been there before. They know what it feels like. Whereas like holding yourself to a higher standard means that you can still recognize that like the setback or whatever choice that you made is not in line with where you want to be going and that's okay. And, but you're saying to yourself that you think and want, you think you can do better and you want more for yourself so that you, so that you don't want to repeat that again. And that is still different from like what a lot of people do is kind of like the opposite is the opposite I don't know like very different to self-shame which is the like oh well I did my best you know it's fine and they try and like make themselves feel better initially like initially or very quickly and I don't think that that's the way and this might be different to what other people say but I don't think that's the way to do it because it doesn't what you're doing is making yourself feel better and like immediately and telling yourself that you did your best when you really didn't Like, and like, that can be a really uncomfortable position to be in, but like, say for example, I'll use myself for this one. Um, like I've really moved away from drinking and 
every single time I would go and drink, I would have this feeling of the next day of like, I didn't, I don't like that I did that. I'm not my best self when I'm doing that. You know, it takes away from my productivity and stuff. And sometimes I would verbalize this to friends and friends, you know, bless them. Like we're trying to make me feel better. And they'd always be like, you never, you know, like let loose, like it's okay, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't, that's not what I need right now. I need to be able to accurately um, or honestly, sorry, self-reflect and identify a behavior which I do not think is in line with where I want to be going and feel that kind of discomfort and feel that pain, like actually sit in it, which sounds like torture. But you need that in order to make a different decision next time. If you instantly make yourself feel better, sort of, you know, it's probably like a Band-Aid. But if you try and make the bad feelings go away as soon as they happen, you don't have enough motivation to make a different decision next time. So if I go like, okay, well, I did my best and, you know, I'm allowed to party and like whatever, then I don't feel that bad anymore. And then I'm probably going to make the same decision next time. Whereas if I go, Hey, this is really uncomfortable. I don't like feeling like this and I'm going to fully feel this. That's enough of a kind of reminder and motivator for next time I hit that crossroad and I've got two options. It's like, well, I remember how much that sucked last time. So I'm going to choose option B this time. Whereas if it didn't really suck that much, cause you just like went and made yourself feel better or had a couple of drinks and you made it go away, you numbed it then you're likely to just keep repeating the same behaviors because you didn't sit in like the pain long enough. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. I actually haven't heard someone talk about that before. Like I haven't heard someone that's like brought that up and like told, I feel like told someone to accurately like or actionably sit into their discomfort and their uncomfortable feelings and emotions. But that is so important. Like you said, in order to be able to move on because if you're like trying to force an emotion on yourself and you're not allowing yourself to feel in these discomfort this and uncomfortable emotions then it's kind of like you're just putting a band-aid on it and you're not able to move on and like like you said I've I think maybe we both have experienced this like that's why I mean maybe you know so much about it but like I definitely know in my past like there have been times where like I'll have people I'll seek kind of how you had you know drinking and stuff like for me that was kind of how I was with like overeating like I would have like I'd overeat and then I'd feel horrible and I'd go talk to them about it and they'd be like oh no like you go to the gym every day you eat so healthy but then I'd be like well no like that was probably not the best like I probably shouldn't have done that that's not like my body didn't need that like it's it's fine to do it right you know, drinking and overeating is fine, but doesn't make you feel your best. Is it who, is it what the highest version of yourself would do, you know? And so I think that's a really powerful thing is like allowing yourself to feel that discomfort and like sitting into it and not allowing, you know, other people and outward sources just to put a bandaid on it. Like allow yourself to feel and don't force an emotion on yourself. Um, yeah. so yeah, amazing think like sorry to cut you off um you're fine I think developing like developing the ability to feel uncomfortable and negative emotions is probably like um in relation to one of your earlier questions one of the biggest parts of the mindset stuff in my opinion because like if if you know that you are capable of feeling you know, disappointed in yourself or lonely is a big one, like learning how to feel lonely. 
like knowing that you can weather the storm kind of thing, it makes it a lot easier to go into new situations and not feel like you have to kind of live in this weird numb state, right? Because sometimes like uncomfortable emotions are required to make the changes that you want to make, right? But if like, if every time you feel lonely, you go and message, you know, that guy that you shouldn't just to make it go away, like then you end up making the decisions that aren't in line with where you want to go. But if you can kind of sit there and feel lonely and be, and work out that it does end, it enables you to then feel the next, you know, negative emotion when it comes. And there will be positive ones in between, of course, but it means that you don't have to like act on every emotion in order to fix it because that's where choosing like the long-term over the short-term kind of comes in, right? If I no longer need to numb every uncomfortable emotion, it means that I can resist those like short-term decisions which aren't going to serve me. And I can just go, all right, I'm feeling this way. I'm just going to feel it. And I know eventually like it will end. And I think part of that is paying the price to learn. Like you got to pay the the dues and the price to be able to learn what you need to learn and the information needed to become better. If you're working on yourself, you're constantly going to have prices to pay. Like there's going to be a lot of pain that you have to experience, but there's, like you said, there's going to be a lot of positive involved too. So it's just a matter of like, I think perspective and like kind of zooming out and being like, okay, so I can see that like this was hard. Um, I kind of like to think as life as like 50, 50. So like if I had just experienced something really hard, I know something good is coming. Like regardless of how big this, this good thing is, I know it's on its way. Or like if I'm having something going really, really good for me that I'm like, okay, it might be a little bit challenging in the next couple of weeks, but like, I'm ready for it. I think just like having that perspective can be huge and like help you to feel more, okay with not always being okay um yeah so okay let's see let's do that this is a good one to end on I don't want to take your whole day from you um we'll do two more questions for you but um I've had the best time just chatting with you I think you're amazing um okay so finally what legacy do you hope to leave through your work as a confidence and mindset coach and what impact do you aspire to make on your clients lives good question I feel too young to be talking about legacy, hopefully. (laughs) Um, I think like when I think about like what impact I want to make on my clients and, you know, anyone who comes across pretty much anything that I have to say is just like helping people to realize that they are capable and that things can be better than how they are now. Because I think for a lot of people, the reason that they don't, go and do the things that they want to go and do or they don't leave the people that they you know should leave or the job that that is not making them happy is because they don't feel like there is a better option out there for them or that they could be any better than they are right now and that's something that I feel really really strongly about in that like I hate seeing people stay where they are because they don't believe that they can do any better or create something better, right? And honestly, like that's most of what I am doing with clients is just showing them that things could be different because for so long they've told themselves that they couldn't be or that this is always the way that things are going to be. 
And so it's helping them to find their own capabilities and find their own strengths and, you know, showing them situations that they never thought that they would be able to do or would be able to navigate. And, you know, like when they get through these situations or they have, you know, a new thought for the first time and they're like, I never thought that this would be my reaction to this, or I never thought that, you know, I'd be able to go to this event alone or, you know, create this or move here or do whatever. It's like trying not to create, I'm not trying to create replicas of me, right? Like this is what I'm, I say a lot is like my version of success is very different than everybody else's. But I truly believe that like with the work, Anyone can go and create their own version of success. And that's all, that's the message that I want to get across to anyone is that like, whatever it is that you want in life, if you are, if it is meaningful enough for you and you are willing to make like the necessary changes, there is absolutely no reason that you cannot make it happen. Wow. I'm like, just need to take a second. Everyone, I'm just going to repeat what she said. Everybody has the chance to go out and create their own version of success. If you are willing to put in the time and the effort and the sacrifice, you are totally 100% capable of achieving your level of success. That was like the best thing to end on. Um, Thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find you like on socials? You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. This has been honestly one of my favorite chats I've ever had. This has been great. Okay. Um, my Instagram handle is Loz underscore ready. So it's L-O-Z underscore R-E-A-D-Y. Um, that is, yeah, where you'll find everything, all of like my external links, um, how to book calls, other podcasts and things that I've done. Um, so yeah, that's where you can find me. Hey, well, thank you so much for being here. Let's get, uh, we're going to snap a quick pick. I'm going to end the podcast, but let's snap a pick. And then um, just thank you all for joining us today. I hope you guys were all taking notes. I always like make sure to have a microphone I can mute so that way I can like stop and take notes because I learned a ton from you today. So I think everyone's going to get a lot out of this podcast and I hope we can all move forward and apply some of the principles that we learned. So thank you so much. And thanks for joining everybody. Have a beautiful rest of your day or night.